play action for Kirk from under center, straight drop. Kirk trying to win it to Thielen, caught at the five. Cousins, Thielen, 42 on the Saints. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man, Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending 15 minutes with me today on the other side of the NFL Draft. Now that was a sporting event, or at least the next best thing we got in this day and age. Rick Spielman broke a record over the weekend with the Minnesota Vikings. He made the most selections, 15, since the NFL Draft moved to a seven-round format in 1994. Two picks in round one, two picks on day two, and 11 picks on day three. Spielman took six offensive players and nine defenders. Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak have plenty of toys as the 2020 Vikings evolution begins. After the undrafted free agents, it's easy to say at this point, the Vikings have depth. But who can make an impact here in Minnesota? How does the roster, the starting lineup, the depth chart look after draft day? Maybe we can answer the impact question in April, but we can try and we can focus on the highest impact players and my most important factor, fit. Zimmer and Kubiak are both longtime NFL veteran coaches. They should know which players fit their schemes before they drafted them, and they should know how to use these new rookies. So here, I share my thoughts on how the Vikings should use their top rookies in 2020 and beyond, starting from the top down. Round 1, pick 22, LSU wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Gary Kubiak's favorite wide receiver in the draft dropped to Minnesota. He was the fourth receiver taken. Why did Kubiak love Jefferson's college career so much? It's pretty easy to see. Justin is a quarterback's best friend. He's got amazing hands, route running, he delivers in contested catch situations, and he's got speed to make plays after the catch. His 25 missed tackles forced ranked fourth in college football, a guy who will attack the middle of the field best in the intermediate level. He produced outside as a junior with 54 catches, 16.2 yards per reception. Then he doubled that production when Joe Brady lined him up in the slot during his senior year. The leading receiver on the best offense in college football. 111 receptions, 13.9 yards per reception, 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. All but five of those snaps came from the slot. Now before we go further, the Jefferson draft pick has revealed some issues that we got to go over. I don't think fans are thinking about this pick correctly because there isn't proper context. There's two main issues with the fan reaction to this pick. Not the pick itself, but the reaction to it. 
First, there's the idea propagated by Daniel Jeremiah that Justin Jefferson could be an upgrade to Stephon Diggs, that he's going to catch, quote-unquote, a zillion balls, that he's going to have more catches than Diggs did in 2019. Okay, let's get something straight about the Vikings' 2019 offense. That offense just didn't use wide receivers. Minnesota passed 52% of the time, fourth least in the NFL. And when they did pass, those targets went to wide receivers at a 47% rate. That's also fourth least in the NFL. 209 total passes to receivers. For comparison's sake, Michael Thomas received 185 targets in 2019. Stephon Diggs, who led Minnesota, got half that with 94 targets. 10 different teams had two wide receivers get more than 94 targets in 2019. So number one, if Minnesota keeps the 2019 offensive system, there is no path that our second wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, catches a zillion balls. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just know, when you're watching highlights from LSU, that is not the Vikings offense. That is not how we should expect Gary Kubiak to use him, especially in the guy's rookie year. Of course, we hope to the Norse gods the Vikings open up their offense to use Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson more. Minnesota led the NFL on yards per reception to wide receivers. They were 28th in the percent of targets to those guys. We would love to see the 47% increase to about 60%, let's say. But we should not expect it. Number two, everyone loved the Jefferson pick, myself included. But some have asked about fit, meaning he had this great senior year out of the slot, but Adam Thielen also performed in the slot. So some are asking, who is the Vikings' main slot receiver right now? If you're paying attention, that question doesn't make any sense. The most common use of the slot receiver is in three wide sets. The 2019 Vikings featured those sets on the field for just 21% of snaps, lowest in the NFL by a wide margin. Now some will say that's because Adam Thielen was injured, so they use that position group less. Listen. In the seven games where Adam Thielen was fully healthy from start to finish, that number increased only by 2%. Last year's offensive scheme did not use slot receivers. Let's continue with Thielen. In 2017 and 2018, Thielen lined up as a slot receiver on 50% of his snaps. That's typical for other slot wideouts like Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, and Emmanuel Sanders. Some receivers line up exclusively in the slot, but like the guys mentioned, Thielen can do both. In 2019, Thielen's slot percentage dropped from 50% to 30%. That's what the scheme calls for. Look at Emmanuel Sanders. In 2018, on the Denver Broncos, he played 55% of his snaps in the slot. Even when Demarius Thomas got injured, 
the Broncos kept Sanders inside and brought Deshaun Hamilton onto the field. In 2019, Sanders went to the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan runs a similar scheme to the Stefanski-Kubiak one we saw in Minnesota. San Fran featured three wide receivers on the field for 25% of snaps, the second least only outdone by our Vikings. So how did San Francisco use Emmanuel Sanders? They moved him outside. Sanders' slot usage dropped from 55% to 28% when he changed schemes. So number two, who plays the slot does not matter. It's not about the 20%, focus on the 80%. Justin Jefferson is going to play a large amount of his snaps on the outside. We're counting on his junior year with LSU, where he put up 16.2 yards per reception as their X receiver. In the rare three wide sets or some twins formations where they line the X and Z receiver on the same side, sure, Jefferson can take some slot snaps, but I think they'll make that personnel decision interchangeable based on the defense. Maybe Tajay Sharp returns to his rookie form on the outside. Maybe B.C. Johnson grows in year two. That could make for some more three wide sets. But for now, Justin Jefferson is an X receiver. Expect Jefferson to have five to six targets per game. Expect a lot of wide snaps for him as Minnesota's number two guy. Nine picks after the Justin Jefferson selection, round one, pick 31, TCU cornerback Jeff Gladney. The Vikings were ecstatic that Gladney was still available after their trade down. The end result? Minnesota finished the first round with two starting caliber rookies and just as many draft picks as they started with. Jeff Gladney is the young man Mike Zimmer wanted, a tenacious 5'10", 191-pound corner, a four-year college starter with more pass breakups than career starts, a workout warrior, a stocky, athletic freak who runs 4'4", squats 6'20", and benches 400. Gladney allowed 87 receptions on 217 targets in college. He deflected 43 of those balls, 40% completion allowed. And his fiery, competitive, big bark, big bite style means the Minnesota Vikings are going to get everything Jeff Gladney has to offer. Jeff's not concerned about his size, but will that 5'10 height affect his impact? Is Jeff Gladney the best corner on the team? CB1? Let's take those questions one at a time. First, the height. The Vikings lost three corners in 2020 free agency. Xavier Rhodes is 6'2", Trey Waynes is 6 feet even, and Mackenzie Alexander is 5'10". So Gladney is Mackenzie Alexander in terms of height and weight. The same is true for the other starting corner, Mike Hughes. During the season, if our Vikes need a corner with length, 
Colton Hill and rookie Cameron Dantzler are 6'2 and 6'1. Remember, Mike Zimmer used a rotation when the secondary fell off in 2019, so that same approach could be used for 2020. Don't count out Chris Boyd either. While most project Mike Hughes right now as the primary corner, Holton Hill will also need to have a role to go against the bigger, stronger wide receivers in the NFL. Look, I love Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney, but the Vikings can't trot out those guys there against Julio Jones and Mike Evans types on Sundays. In limited time, Holton Hill played 80% of his defensive snaps out wide. Hughes, for comparison, played 65% of his snaps on the boundary. So they have been more inclined to move Hughes into the slot instead of Hill. Gladney, despite his height, I just see him as a guy who can play inside and outside. And he's got the upside to follow opponents' primary receivers into the slot too. With this cornerback group, I think the plan will be to start Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney in the base defense. So long as they aren't getting bullied on height and contested catch situations. When our Vikings moves to nickel defense, I expect Holton Hill to come onto the field as an outside corner, pushing Mike Hughes to nickel and keeping Jeff Gladney on the boundary. Now that may seem like I'm calling Gladney CB1, I actually think Hughes' versatility and the edge and experience will keep him on the field more. Moving to the slot is not a downgrade. The slot cornerback is a starter in today's NFL, and Mike Hughes is certainly a starter. Jeff Gladney will learn on the field and hopefully grow into that stalking cornerback inside and outside under Mike Zimmer. Now we move down into the second round, Friday, day two of the draft. With needs addressed at wide receiver and cornerback, the board continued to fall in a way that helped not just Minnesota's needs, but their value. Round 2. Pick 58. Boise State Offensive Tackle Ezra Cleveland. The easiest way to describe Cleveland, he's a Brian O'Neill clone, but with more college starting experience. 6'6", 311 pounds, 2,900 career snaps, all at left tackle. Ezra's athletic with smooth feet and good technique. He crushed the combine and he's a pass blocker first. Now Cleveland has some of the same strength issues Minnesota has seen with other zone blockers. O'Neal, Garrett Bradbury, Pat Elfline, so there will be questions with his run blocking prowess, but he should be able to seal off Kirk Cousins' blind side. The question is, how soon? Is Ezra a day one starter? Can he play a year at guard? My thoughts, we don't need Ezra Cleveland to start day one, but we certainly don't want him to play at guard. The man is a left tackle. The man logged almost 3,000 snaps at left tackle as a Boise State Bronco. Cleveland is the left tackle of the future. It's foolish to bring Cleveland in 
and move him to guard. It's even stupider to take a left tackle, move him to guard for one year, and then move him back to left tackle in year two. How many times have we seen these offensive line movements fail? Did moving TJ Clemmings to guard work? No. Did moving Mike Remmers to guard work? Nope. Did moving Pat Elfline to guard work? I don't think so. I'm adamant against it. Don't play Ezra Cleveland at guard. You kick Riley Reef's butt inside to left guard, and you give this kid with a clean slate a chance to be a stud under offensive line coach Rick Dennison. You take full advantage of his athleticism and technique at the position he knows best. You let him set the edge and move out to block on Dalvin Cook screens. Again, 2,900 snaps at left tackle in college. He's a left tackle. Don't play him anywhere else. Now, I know y'all are thinking, what if he isn't ready day one? If he isn't ready from the jump, sure, keep him on the bench, developing behind Riley Reef. And if you don't feel comfortable with the offensive guards, Elfline, Drew Samia, Dakota Dozier... Aviante Collins, if you don't like that, guys, and want somebody to plug in that guard that badly, then you kick Riley Reef's butt inside to left guard, and you let Rashad Hill start until Ezra Cleveland is ready. That's how adamant I am about this. Ezra Cleveland is a left tackle. I'm fine starting Rashad Hill at tackle. Shit, that's exactly what happened with Brian O'Neill. If you remember, the Vikings kicked Mike Remmers inside to right guard, started Rashad Hill at right tackle, and while that wasn't ideal, we don't care because it only lasted a month before Brian O'Neill was starting. Don't sacrifice the long term by being short-sighted. We don't care about Riley Reef long term. As a guard, maybe he's only decent, Maybe he's only a minor upgrade over what they currently have on the interior. But that's okay, because long-term, Ezra Cleveland will be here at left tackle, and Riley Reef won't be here at all. So the answer for Ezra Cleveland is to begin with the end in mind. There is nobody better than Ezra at left tackle. Riley Reef can play left guard put Rashad Hill in front of Cleveland until the kid is ready, hopefully sooner rather than later. I went a little long. I'm caught up in these guys. I love the draft picks, love these rookies, and I want to see them propped up for success long term so they can help us chase down that purple Super Bowl. So that's where I'm seeing the most impact from this rookie class, y'all. Next week, we'll touch on some of the depth pieces on the roster. We'll bring back Matt Anderson, Miles Gorham, Ryan Sports Guy Rye. Highlight the guys who need a big 2022, starting with those depth rookies. But as far as the top of this 2020 draft, I see Justin Jefferson as a strong outside option and Minnesota's clear wide receiver too. I've got Jeff Gladney as CB1A, like him a lot, a guy that they'll probably keep on the outside in year one while he learns on the field. 
And I see Ezra Cleveland as the left tackle of the future. And we need to wait patiently until he takes over that position. A fun, memorable, virtual draft that could be seen not just a record-breaking weekend for Rick Spielman, but the weekend where the Vikings redefine their roster. The event where the Vikings establish their core for the next decade. Justin Jefferson, Jeff Gladney, Ezra Cleveland, and a few more of those 11 day three picks that could rise up to contribute. We'll get into them next week. Can't wait. But until next time, y'all, stay safe and skull Vikings. <laughs>